Something to note, all myths have many versions and variations. For this episode, we've selected those we felt are the most dramatic and entertaining and supplemented them with additional research into Norse and Germanic traditions. Our myths may not always be the version you're familiar with, but we hope you'll enjoy them. And be warned, this episode features violence and depictions of war. Listener discretion is advised, especially for listeners under 13. Ladies and gentlemen, we're on a one-way ticket to the battlefield of Vigrithor in southern Norway. This is one of the last holdouts in Europe, keeping the Deceiver's forces at bay. We're dropping right into the action, so get your Scyther rifles ready to fire as soon as this door opens! The commander addressed a throng of troops crowded in the cargo hold of the dropship. There were 43 of them, men and women, young and old, from all around the world. It was a small vessel lined on both sides with harnesses for the fighters. Red lights bathed them all in an eerie glow. The air smelled of sweat and gunmetal. You could taste the fear. God General Tyr is here to repel the enemy from Norway, and it's our job to make sure he succeeds. Satellite intel says the Deceiver's army has brought in Mega Yotun on the ground and is using Neathogger for air support. Not gonna lie, you're probably about to die. Once the field is secure, we'll send in Freya units to shepherd your souls to Asgard for retraining and eventual redeployment. Everyone in the hold trembled at the thought of certain death, all but one. Vithar turned his rifle over in his hands, checking and double-checking it. He tapped the side panel to make sure the magical energies from the golden apple core extended all the way down the barrel. He'd been fighting in the UMF, the United Midgard Forces, since he was 16, the minimum age of conscription. Now he was 18 and had seen his fair share of battle. Most Midgard units died on their first deployment, but he somehow always made it through. He'd killed thousands of lesser Jotun and Helheim shades. He didn't expect this mission to be any different. Next to him, a Japanese man clutched an Odin medallion, praying for deliverance. The commander scowled at the sight of it. Odin ain't gonna help you, son. He's the one got the whole world tree into this mess. Besides, he hasn't been round for thousands of years. We're on our own. The Japanese soldier's face filled with shock, but Vithar reached out, patting him on the shoulder. He didn't say anything, but his eyes showed warmth that put the man at ease. This was short-lived. The ship lurched to the side. The lights went out and sirens blared as they started to hurtle toward Earth. The G-force made their eyes bulge and their lips flap. The soldier next to Vithar screamed and wet himself. Droplets of urine floated past Vithar's face. (laughs) 
He felt his stomach churn as they seemed to fall thousands of feet in seconds. His head throbbed. For a moment, he felt like he was going to black out. Then the whole ship violently shook. And for a split second, Vithar felt like he weighed a thousand pounds. The lights went out and everything was still. They had landed. The commander unbuckled himself from his seat and appraised the unit. Two soldiers had broken their necks on impact, and the praying man was unconscious. But everyone else was battle-ready. Vithar flipped down his visor and calibrated the display to make Helheim shades visible to the human eye. He unbuckled himself and moved to the dropship shutter. All right, soldiers, get up! Ready weapons for the world tree! For Midgard! He slammed his fist against a button on the wall, and the dropship door hissed open. Ragnarok, the last war, raged before them. Welcome to Mythology, a Spotify original from Parcast. Every Tuesday, we present dramatic stories from ancient mythology and explore their origins. I'm your host and narrator, Vanessa Richardson. You can find all episodes of Mythology and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. For those of you who've been listening to our Norse mythology episodes all year, everything has been leading to this. Ragnarok. Almost every legend in the Norse canon makes some sort of reference to this prophesied end of times. The word means the fate of the gods. So if you haven't already, consider going back and listening to Odin's quest for wisdom, Loki and Iduna's apples, the adventures of Thor, Frigg, and Freya, and Hel, queen of the underworld, to get the full story. Most myths concern events set in prehistory, like the tale of how Odin killed the giant Ymir and made the world from its corpse. But Ragnarok is different. It's a prophecy, a vision of the apocalypse as predicted by ancient Norse peoples. Multiple sources offer details of what we can expect when Ragnarok arrives, and while there are slight differences, most agree that this event marks the end not just for Asgard, but all the nine realms of Yggdrasil. That includes our world, the realm of Midgard. And so for the first time on mythology, we must travel not to the ancient past, but to the distant future. Coming up, we see what the future holds for the mortals on Midgard. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the field. It go down. It go down in the field. 
21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus vest that expires seven days after receipt. See full terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. As soon as the hatch opened, Vithar was thrust into a panorama of violence. Blue orbs of energy streaked past his head, disintegrating several of his comrades before they could even get off the ship. He ducked and charged into the fray. Ahead of him, millions of soldiers raced toward the battle, pouring out of dropships and Azir battlecruisers. He could just make out the vanguard, led by the crackling orange glow of God General Tyr's energy sword. Vithar raced to keep up. All around him, his fellow troops collided with the army of the Deceiver. Lesser Yotun cast ice spells, freezing the unluckier soldiers in place. Helheim shades fell on others, using their teeth to rip through armor and into the flesh beneath. Vithar turned his head to see two shades flying at him out of the smoke. He raised his scyther rifle and fired two golden energy pulses in their direction. The shots met their targets. The shade's spectral forms burst into clouds of golden light. A shadow fell over Vithar. He looked up to see something, massive, breaking through the clouds above. His eyes went wide as he realized what it was. The gray-skinned foot of a mega Jotun, one of the gargantuan giants from Jotunheim. He sprinted towards the edge of the shadow, just clearing its radius before the foot came down. The shockwave sent him sprawling face first into the sand. Behind him, he could hear the crunch of armor and the screams of his fellow soldiers being crushed by the giant. He scrambled back up. All he could do was keep running forward, hoping that more steps from the Mega Yotun would miss him. His commander, still alive, waved them forward. Get clear! As he ran, he suddenly heard a high-pitched screech. Looking overhead, he saw that the UMF Air Force had arrived. Their sonic jets moved so fast he could barely see them. A flash of light shot through the clouds as they fired in the direction of the giant. He couldn't see its head, but he heard a massive squelching noise. Then a rainstorm of blood and brain matter poured down on the battlefield. Slowly, the creature teetered forward. Its ruined head crashed to the earth, crushing humans and giants alike. Vithar stumbled back from the impact, but was lucky enough not to be caught under the giant's corpse. He saw a lesser Yotun getting back on its feet next to him and fired a shot into its chest. 
He looked back up to see the sonic jets abruptly change direction. Glowing, green, leathery wings unfurled across the sky, sending a massive gust of wind over the battlefield with each flap. It was the Neathogger, the undead dragon who Odin had killed and sent to Helheim so long ago. Its soul now served the deceiver, dominating the skies on behalf of its master. Keep moving! Keep moving! Vithar turned his head to see his commander, now covered in giant brains, waving the rest of the unit forward. Vithar and the other soldiers stormed the hill that was the giant's corpse. That's the nice thing about giants, he thought grimly. When they're dead, they provide great cover. They reached the summit of the giant's stomach. From there, Vithar could see a greater view of the battlefield. The chaos raged back and forth all the way to the horizon. Mega Yotun legs stretched down out of the clouds. Neathogger spun around the jets, diving and twisting in the sky like a water snake. Vithar's unit formed a line and laid down a wall of fire against the encroaching horde. Yeah! Take that, you giant scum! For Midgard! For Valhalla! But just as the tide seemed to be turning in their favor, a new sound rang out across the battlefield. Oh no, not her. A massive green ball of energy erupted out of the ground ahead of them. A strange, lanky humanoid figure crawled up out of the depths. At 12 feet, she towered over the battlefield. Though Vithar had never seen her before, he would know her anywhere. She was one of the Deceiver's top generals, Hel, goddess of the underworld. Her glistening green armor covered a horrific, half-living, half-dead body. As she walked, those nearest to her were drained of their life energy. On his visor, Vithar could see the souls of his recently slain comrades being pulled into her orbit. She placed a hand on them, one at a time, twisting them into Helheim's shades. As these new enemies rushed toward Vithar's unit, they had no choice but to raise their rifles and open fire on their former friends. We can't beat her! Fall back! The commander waved for them to retreat, but they didn't get the chance. A damaged sonic jet came hurtling out of the sky, crashing into the lower abdomen of the giant's corpse, several feet away from Vithar. The resulting explosion sent Vithar flying back down onto the battlefield. His whole body ached at the impact, but his armor held strong. He looked up, dizzy, trying to make sense of the landscape. Some smoke cleared and his visor clamored with warnings as Hell came back into view. She clutched his commander in her claws, holding his face up to hers. The commander's soul left his body, seeping out of his mouth and into Hell's. 
she tossed his desiccated corpse to the side. Then she turned her attention to Vithar. <laughs> Vithar began emptying his rifle at her. He'd never seen anything like this. For a brief instant, he thought back to the praying man on the dropship. If he had a medallion to Odin, he'd be praying right now, too. Hell stalked toward him, her skin absorbing the harmless energy blasts from his rifle. Suddenly, a silver circle appeared in the air next to Vithar. Blinding light emanated from it, causing his viewscreen to go entirely white with static. <laughs> Vithar's visor adjusted. The silver circle was a portal. A woman of pure blue and white light leaned out, holding out a hand to Vithar. Take my hand. Vithar looked back to see the goddess of the underworld recovering from the surprise. He did not know who this blue stranger was, but anything was better than hell. He grabbed the woman's hand and she pulled him through the portal. A moment later, the chaos and screams of the battlefield disappeared. Vithar was on his own. Coming up, Vithar learns what's on the other side. Pirates. For centuries, the world has been fascinated by them. In films like Pirates of the Caribbean, they're portrayed as swaggering anti-heroes. In books like Treasure Island, they're fearsome villains. But who were they really? That's the question that Real Pirates, the new Spotify original from Parcast, answers. The whole thing about a pirate ship is that they were heavily manned. But you could have 100 pirates on board, so these are floating violence factories. At the same time, pirates were really fascinating characters, in a way. If you were born poor, you stayed poor. Pirates, on the other hand, they were able to transcend that social boundary. They didn't see the themselves just as thieves and brigands, they saw themselves as social revolutionaries. Set sail under the black flag, alongside notorious outlaws like Blackbeard, Charles Vane, Anne Bonny, and Mary Reed. Join us for episodes airing weekly starting November 15th. Follow and listen to Real Pirates for free on Spotify. Now back to the story. Vithar had never been through a portal before. The sensation was strange. He felt like liquid slowly dripping through a tube. Lights and sounds came and went, a flurry of strange and wonderful sensations. Now they traveled through space and time to a destination unknown. Vithar's vision warped and twisted until finally settling back to normal. He felt his body tossed gently forward onto a hard wooden floor. He lifted his face off the ground and took in his surroundings. Vithar was in what looked like some sort of old world tavern. Large wooden beams arched over a cavernous hall filled with crackling fires and tables stacked with food and drink. Several dozen figures of startling variety looked at him with suspicion and surprise. There were elves, dwarves, even gods. 
Three individuals in particular stood right above him. There was a beautiful, raven-haired woman with a mean look in her eye, an awkward-looking teenager with orange hair, and a third man who was clearly a god. His body was perfect, as was his golden hair. His skin shimmered as if made of diamonds. This is him? He's a pop! His skin looks pinker than Thialfi's. I resent that. My skin is rough-hewn and manly. Enough, you two. Our guest is probably very confused. Hello there. I'm Magni. That rude giantess is Skadi, and my young companion here, Thialfi, is one of your kinsmen, though he is immortal. Welcome to Frasve, a sanctuary from the forces of the Deceiver. You're standing before a god, pup. Don't you have anything to say? Vithar fumbled for his arm communicator, beginning to type out a reply. Are we sure Freya grabbed the right guy? I mean, he does seem so... I do not make mistakes. He doesn't speak, but he is the one we've been looking for. Vithar turned to see the blue woman had emerged from the portal behind him. A pup who can't talk? Oh, we are doomed. The long prophesied son of Odin and the Empress can't speak. This is most interesting. The mystery only deepens. What a fantastic and wondrous adventure this will be. The bard shall sing of our accomplishments here for ages. Um, sorry, friend. Being unable to talk, that's not... That's not common on Midgard, is it? It is not. Though what this means, I cannot say. While they'd all been chatting amongst each other, Vithar, frustrated to have so many talk about his disability as if he weren't standing right there, managed to type out a question. He held his wrist computer up for them to see. Where am I? Oh, he's asking where we are. Well, as I said, this is Frasve, a sanctuary of sorts. It used to be the palace of the god Frey before he went to live on Asgard. It's in Alfheim, the home of the elves. Come and see. Magni led Vithar to a window. The view below was astonishing. A jungle of pink and purple foliage stretched out for miles, tangled in the roots of giant trees intercut by glowing green rivers. Shimmering white elves, as small as dragonflies, fluttered to and fro, laughing, playing, dancing. His whole life, Vithar had known only the war-torn lands of Midgard. His eyes filled with tears at the sight. Oh, great. Now he's crying. Why shouldn't he? It is beautiful. One of the only places not yet touched by this endless war. Vithar composed himself. Looking back at his wrist, he typed out, Why save me? and held it up for Freya to see. I am the goddess Freya. It has long been my duty to uplift mortals I deem worthy from the battlefield. Vithar shook his head. He typed again, asking, Why me? I'm human. I'm no son of Odin. Well, where to begin? You have lived on Midgard your whole life, yes? You probably know that about a hundred years ago, a mountain suddenly erupted out of the earth beneath what mortals used to call Russia. The Deceiver and his army of frost giants and undead burst forth, conquering most of the continent within days and blanketing the rest of the earth in a permanent winter. 
Your human armies were helpless against them. The gods knew that the long prophesied end of the world had arrived. Ragnarok. Every action my father had taken for the last millennia was to prevent it. And yet, it was all for naught. We sent troops to Midgard to stem the tide. We gave you humans the weapons and armor to fight the Deceiver's army. My father, God Emperor Thor, fought alongside humanity to keep the Deceiver's army at bay. But while he held them there, they spread throughout the World Tree. The armies of Jotunheim joined the Deceiver, as did Hell in her shades. The dwarves of Nidavellir stood against him. He has sent Jormungandr, the World Serpent, to destroy their halls. My father recently returned to his throne and sealed off Asgard. No one can enter or exit, except in very rare circumstances. He could not take the chance that the Deceiver's army might invade. But before he did so, he tasked me with forming a team. He knew that all the armies in the World Tree would not be enough to stop the Deceiver. He felt that a small group might accomplish what an army could not. He charged us with finding Odin, the Allfather, who has been missing from Asgard for thousands of years. Our patron here, Freya, was his wife before she changed. She has long sought him, but to no avail. I can see all the world tree, but I cannot see him. Odin had a plan for stopping Ragnarok before he disappeared. Father felt that if we could find him, we could save everyone. So I set about forming my team. We needed Freya, of course. She graciously agreed to lend us her immeasurable power. Skadi here is a longtime resident of Asgard who has often fought by my side. Thialfi was my father Thor's squire for millennia and has learned much from him. We also have with us Vigor, a dwarven prince. His knowledge of enchanting and alchemy is considerable. And rounding out the group is Lyosa, our elven compatriot. The elf flew around Vithar's head, showering him with light. In the corner, sitting at a table, the dwarf Vigor raised a hand in greeting. He was clearly weathered from battle. Over one eye, he wore an eye patch. Two of his appendages, his right hand and left leg, had been replaced with clockwork prosthetics. Vithar tried his best to give a friendly wave back. We went straight to Midgard, to Odin's last known location. He was friends with an empress there a wise woman who once united all of your peoples under one empire. Tell him about the ruins. I'm getting to that. Sorry, it's just the best part. We were quite heroic. Vigor, Lyosa, and Freya studied the ancient ruins of her palace while Skadi, Thialfi, and I held off the Deceiver's forces. They found a set of runes inscribed into an old tomb. It said that the Empress had but one heir, a boy who she sired with none other than Odin himself. After this discovery, we felt that our best chance was to trace Odin's and Tira's line. We traveled throughout Midgard, to human libraries and government buildings. Your cities are most unimpressive, as weak and frail as the people who lived inside them. <sighs> I do like your cheeseburgers, though. Eventually, we learned that their line had but one surviving heir. You. Vithar was taken aback. His parents had died fighting the Deceiver's army. He didn't remember them, but he had never felt that he was special, certainly not the descendant of a god. I can see by the look on your face that you do not believe me. You still think of yourself as human. I promise you, your true nature is far more special. Look at your military record, for instance. You cannot possibly think it was luck keeping you alive all this time. Think back on your life 
Have you ever been sick? Are you especially bothered by lack of sleep, by hunger or thirst? The god was right. Vithar did not complain or grouse like other soldiers did, but it had seemed normal to him. He just kept his head down and didn't complain when rations were scarce or conditions were bad. But then again, maybe he had been able to do this because he was special. He typed into his wrist computer, asking, how am I supposed to know where Odin is? Ugh! Told you! This whole thing has been a waste of time! Let's not despair just yet, Scotty. Now, my friend, are you sure? Did your parents tell you nothing? No stories or legends about your ancestors? Vithar could only shake his head. He typed, I'm sorry, I wish I could help. Magni clapped him on the shoulder reassuringly. I believe you. Regardless, you should meet my father. Maybe he will know what to do. Our team will set out in the morning once you have had a chance to recover from battle. Since the way to Asgard is sealed, Freya cannot transport us. We have to travel on foot. It will be a dangerous journey. Dangerous? Tell the truth, Magni. It's a suicide mission for any mortal. Well, it's a good thing he's not completely mortal then. Come on, let's get you something to eat. After the morning's battle and the dizzying revelations about his heritage, Vithar was relieved for something as simple as a hearty feast. Vithar didn't know if the shock would wear off anytime soon, but he would be lying if he said his new knowledge didn't make him feel great. To share a lineage with these fantastic beings was an honor. He watched with joy as they made merry throughout Frey's cavernous hall. Oh, there may be a few human heroes who can claim to be more accomplished than I. The Empress Tira, of course. Beowulf, maybe. But that's it. None have traveled more, slain more, been so close a companion to the gods. Oh, please, Thialfi. I've known you since you were an annoying, pimpled little boy. <laughs> I am not pimpled. My skin is rough-hewn and manly, we know. And don't you forget it. I am like a son to God Emperor Thor himself. Aye, you are my brother Thialfi. I would never say otherwise. You have had my back on many an adventure. It fills my heart to hear you say it. Let us drink. Thialfi, you may be the adopted son of the God Emperor, but as the only human in Asgard, you have never been made a man, if you catch my meaning. I... well, there simply hasn't been time. <laughs> then let us put an end to that tonight, for we do not know what tomorrow may bring. She pushed away from the table, downed another glass of ale, and grabbed him by his skinny wrist, dragging him away. <laughs> Make father proud, Thialfi! Wait! I... Wait, wait, what am I seeing? Lead the way, milady. They disappeared down the hall. Vithar sat close to Magni, telling him of life on Midgard. Magni reciprocated, telling him of what it and the whole world tree had been like before the start of Ragnarok. Vithar typed a question. Who is the deceiver? Magni looked surprised. 
You mean you fought him your whole life and you don't know? The Deceiver is Loki, God of Mischief, Odin's former shield brother, one of our own. Vithar had heard the tales of Loki, as he'd heard tales of every god, but he'd never known that he and the Deceiver were one and the same. What had led him to turn on his brethren? Before Vithar could ask, his attention was drawn to the ceiling, where Leosa and her eleven siblings danced upon the air. And at the window, Vigor the dwarf stood with Freya. He looked at her with longing, but she only stared out into the world tree, oblivious to their petty concerns. Eventually, they all retired to bed. Even gods prefer to dream when the reality is Ragnarok. The next morning, Fialfi stumbled into the hall, his hair a mess, his untied trousers hanging loosely around his hips, a smile on his face. As he squinted in the sunlight and stumbled to the window, his smile faded. Magni! Scothi! Freya! Come quickly! All rushed into the hall, joining him at the window. It was their worst fear. The armies of the Deceiver had arrived. The forest burned, and the elves scrambled as frost giants proceeded toward the palace. At the head rode a fearsome-looking giant in black robes. Who is that? It's Baugi, the wisest and cruelest of the Deceiver's generals. He has discerned our hiding place. Images raced in front of Vithar's eyes. The sight of the giant sparked something deep in his memory. He saw the giant, but much younger, speaking with a woman and some strange man. Vithar couldn't quite make out the man's features. He wore a pointed hat and had a long beard. Vithar! Vithar, can you hear me? We must flee. We cannot save Alfheim. We must retreat to Asgard. The images disappeared. Vithar found himself back in the room with his immortal companions. He saw Magni in front of him, Thialfi and Skothi holding each other. Leosa wept at Freya's feet, begging her to stay and fight. But the goddess shook her head. We must leave now or risk losing everything. There's no way out. The Deceiver's army is at every possible exit. Freya, can you teleport us to safety? My teleportation powers have their limits. If I am to transport us out of Alfheim, then one must stay behind. Then I will stay. Help the elves as best I can. Leosa protested that it should be her, but she was not a fighter. As they argued, Thialfi stepped forward. I will stay and fight. I wish to show the Deceiver what a human can do. Thialfi, no. Brother, you are the strongest. You must protect Odin's heir. Get him safely back to father. Do not forget the mission. You are as much a champion as any Aesir, brother. Thank you. I got to live for thousands of years. I just wish I could have made love more than once. They laughed, embracing for a final time. Skathi came between them, clasping Thialfi on the shoulder. Fight well, shield brother. You can count on it. 
They all turned as down the hall, the large doors were thrust open and dozens of giants came streaming in. Their red eyes and slavering tusks were a horrifying sight. Go now! Thialfi grabbed his sword from the fireside, unsheathing it. He turned to face the monsters. Have at thee! He fell on the giants, slicing into them as Freya opened her portal behind the team. This was the last thing they saw before they stepped through the portal, and Alfheim faded into darkness. Coming up, our heroes find themselves in a new realm, facing old enemies. Now back to the story. It was dark when Vithar opened his eyes. They had escaped Alfheim and Loki's army, but around him he could see nothing but a dusky chamber. The soldier had only recently learned he was a demigod, but he was afraid all the same. Around him, his companions explored the room. Their party consisted of the gods Magni and Freya, the giantess Skathi, the dwarf Vigor, the elf Leosa, and him, Vithar, the half-human descendant of Odin. <sighs> Wait, Freya, where are we? Nidavellir. Nidavellir? Freya, you stupid witch, you've doomed us all! Scotty, you are hurting from Thialfi's loss. As am I. But we cannot fall apart now and make his sacrifice for nothing. Vigor the dwarf said nothing, storming off down the passageway. Vithar remembered what Magni had told him, how Loki's armies had destroyed this world, Vigor's home. This is where he'd lost his limbs and his eye. We could not teleport directly to Asgard. The way is shut. Thor has seen to that. We must get there on foot. Nidavellir is the closest realm. But Freya, you know what is here. I know all. All the ways to get us killed? Vithar typed out a question on his wrist computer. What's so dangerous about Nidavellir? The other immortals looked at him. It was then that Vithar saw the fear in their eyes. It is the home of the dwarves. I mentioned they resisted the Deceiver's invasion. He knew they would be able to evade his armies in these endless caverns, so he didn't bother. He sent the World Serpent instead sent it to coil endlessly through the caverns, to turn the dwarves' civilization into rubble. And it's still here, as far as we know, waiting. So now we get to make our way through that rubble, hoping against hope that the largest creature in all the world tree doesn't spot us, which it almost certainly will. Well, we're here, and if Freya says this is the only way, then it is the only way. Just then, Vigor returned. He'd found an encampment of refugees down the tunnel. They needed help. Squabbling could wait. As the small handful of immortals made their way through Nidavellir, the battle in Alfheim was drawing to a close. The floor of the palace was littered with the bodies of giants and elves alike. Flames licked the walls and cavernous ceilings. 
The Alfi had slain a hundred giants, including Baugi, whose wisdom failed him as he bled out on the floor. That's it? That's all you lot can muster? The Bard shall have to rewrite this chapter of my story to make it more exciting. To suggest that you were actually enemies worth fighting. As if in answer, the smoke in front of him cleared, the flames parted, a dark figure stepped through them. It was Loki. Clad in black armor, his helmet held in the crook of his arm, his face was twisted and scarred from eons of snake venom. The flames danced in his black eyes. Behind him were his remaining generals, Hel, Screamir the Magician, and Blodugata of the Nine Hundred Heads. I killed your general, Deceiver. No great loss. If he couldn't defeat a single mortal in combat, he deserved to die. Speaking of which, didn't I already kill you once? You came close. You felt remorse and helped Thor save me. Tis one of the better legends of Asgard, if I do say so myself. Ah, that's right. My mistake. You'll find that a few thousand years beneath the earth has left me free of such base emotions as guilt or compassion. You have none to blame for that but yourself, villain. I have everyone to blame! They imprison my children! Foul children. And your litany of threats against the gods did nothing to help their cause. Frey nearly killed me for what I did to Baldur. If you cannot see the difference, then you are truly a fool. <laughs> you know, you humans are only supposed to survive for decades, not millennia. You've lived far too long. I think it's time I fix that. Do your worst. <laughs> Loki's sword left its hilt in the blink of an eye. He flew forward, slashing at the Alfi. The boy blocked the blow just in time. They crossed blades again and again, the Alfi using every ounce of skill he possessed. But the Alfi was already tired, and Loki was incapable of tiring. It took only a fraction of a second the Alfie slipped, allowing Loki to knock his sword from his hand. Loki then grabbed him by the head, slamming his face down onto the nearest table. <clears throat> Those who die by my blade, die for good. No Valhalla for you, boy. Thialfi's defiant scream was cut short as Loki drove his sword through the side of his head, pinning him to the table. Loki let out a sigh, then brushed his hair from his forehead. He picked a blood-covered apple up from the table, taking a bite as he sat down next to Thialfi's corpse. <sighs> Screamy. Play something festive, will you? The giant complied, though he was frightened of the encroaching flames. He summoned a lute and began strumming. Now, what would have brought the sons of Thor, Freya, and some random human here of all places? What are they hiding? 
The flames reached one of the nearby tapestries and leapt up the wall in an instant. Screamier jumped, stopping his playing. Who told you to stop? Keep going, you idiot. This is cause for celebration. We've destroyed yet another realm, another triumph, and the greatest is yet to come. Asgard is next. I'm going to make them pay. I'm going to make them all pay. <laughs> Back in Nidavellir, the group of heroes found themselves at a dwarfen refugee camp. It contained only a few dozen survivors, huddled in none other than Beeger's old workshop. They'd been living off the many supplies there, but they'd run out. They needed someone to escort them to Asgard. We cannot attract attention. The serpent will hear us and attack. We can't just leave them here. There are children. Freya, what do you think? Take them or do not. It does not matter. Helpful. Well, Odin's heir, you're a member of the team now. What do you think? Vithar considered. He watched the war-torn dwarves huddled together in the cave, hanging on the group's decision. They reminded him of the clan he grew up with on Earth, farming for meager rations, running and hiding from giant raids. He couldn't abandon them to their fate. We're taking them with us, he signaled on his wrist computer. Great, just great. Very well. Dwarves, take a few minutes to collect your things. We will leave shortly. As they headed out onto the ruined causeway, Vigor passed Vithar, giving him a solemn nod. He approved. Vigor took the lead, and Leosa lit the way as they scrambled over boulders and ruined equipment. Leosa's light glittered off abandoned rubies, emeralds, and diamonds. The jewels that littered the caves were astonishing to Vithar. He'd never seen anything like it. It was too dark to see much beyond the caravan, but Vithar could tell that the ruined city had stretched for miles. Now it was rubble resting in an underground stream. Vithar asked, what was this place? Not wanting to make any sound, Vigor reached over to the computer and typed in his answer. Ritual site, very beautiful. Vithar placed a hand on Vigor's shoulder. The Deceiver's army had destroyed Earth long before he had a chance to witness its beauty. Vigor had known his home in all its glory before it was destroyed. Vithar didn't know which was worse. They continued along in silence. After several hours of travel, Vigor abruptly stopped, holding up his mechanical hand. Vithar followed the dwarf's gaze upwards into the darkness. Only something was different. The darkness moved. An impossibly large coil of green muscle slithered through the caverns above them. It was Jormungandr, the World Serpent. Eyes widened and the group began to stir. 
Vsar knew what panic felt like, and right now it seemed like half the group was about to break into a mad dash. But Vigor held out his hand again, calming the group. He put a finger to his lips, then motioned for everyone to move forward. The serpent hadn't seen them. They moved even slower now. The slithering body of the snake continued overhead, seemingly endless and oblivious to their presence. Until, that is, a young dwarven child awoke from its nap and looked up from its mother's bosom at the body of the snake. It let out a high-pitched child's scream. The snake's movement abruptly stopped. Then its body spasmed. It split the tunnels it was traveling through, turning back onto itself. Rubble rained down on the caravan. Everyone scrambled for cover. Vithar hid beneath a ledge while keeping his eyes on the snake. The coiling body of the snake shifted and twisted until at last its head appeared above. Its two yellow eyes were the size of buildings. Its jaw flashed open to reveal fangs like small mountains. Waterfalls of green poison poured onto the caravan below. It washed over a segment of the caravan. Vithar watched in horror as hair, skin, muscle, and bone melted off the refugees in seconds. Others were only partially affected. They lost entire limbs or half their face. They could do nothing to help them. The uninjured had to continue forward. Run! It's the only way! Everyone dropped whatever they were carrying and raced down the path, heading for the relative safety of the nearest cave. The serpent lunged. It smashed into the floor of the cavern, taking out the back half of the caravan. The serpent was too large. It would be able to destroy them within minutes. Magni drew his sword, prepared to face the impossible foe. Scotty reached her bow. Vithar charged his pulse rifle. Once again, Vigor held up his hand. He motioned them on. Perhaps we can stop it together. Vigor just shook his head. Scotty grabbed Magni's arm and led him toward the caves. Vithar, Freya, Leosa, and the remaining dwarves followed. As Vigor stood alone on the causeway, the serpent's head returned, rearing up over him. Vigor raised his prosthetic hand up to the serpent. Vithar turned to watch from the caves. He thought that the snake would not heed the gesture as the dwarves had, but then Vigor's hand transformed. The metal parts turned and twisted until the hand was a cannon. It began to glow with energy. Vigor turned to his companions one last time, urging them to go. They finally complied. Confident of his friend's safety, he unleashed a massive energy blast. 
The beam caught the world serpent by surprise. It opened its jaws, attempting to melt Vigor with poison, but the energy blast evaporated the substance. The snake pushed its open mouth forward, struggling against the energy beam. It was gaining ground, but Vigor was slowing it down. He let out a warrior's yell. The last Vithar saw of Nidavalir was a final, massive blast of energy as Vigor brought the cavern down around the World Serpent's head. The surviving members of the caravan raced through the caves, certain the snake would be on them any second. But then, miraculously, they saw it, light at the end of the tunnel. They came tumbling out into the sunlight, a field of flowers stretched out before them, leading to a shimmering purple orb on the horizon. It was the closed portal to Asgard. The way was still barred. Thor had sealed it. Magni, call for your father. Hurry. Behind them, they could hear the hissing and rumbling of the snake. The ground shook. Do it, Magni! Father, it is me, Magni! We have returned with Odin's heir! Open the portal! But there was no response. Magni! Father, open the portal now! Jormungandr is behind us! We will surely perish! Father! A bolt of lightning flew from the portal, ripping it open. Brilliant rainbow light streamed forth. The lightning continued to streak across the sky. It struck the entrance to the cave. The roof of the cave collapsed, sending rocks tumbling down to block the entrance. Vithar looked from the cave back to the portal. He saw the silhouette of a figure standing in the portal way. It was God Emperor Thor himself. His gray beard dangled down from his horned helm. Mjolnir rested in his hand. He was not happy. Thanks again for tuning in to Mythology. Join us next week as Vithar travels with Thor to solve the millennia-spanning mystery of Odin's disappearance. You can find more episodes of Mythology and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. If you enjoy mythology, you'll love my other podcast, Tales. Traditional fairy tales aren't exactly suitable for children, and every Wednesday we dive into the dark origins of both iconic and obscure fables. We'll be back Tuesday with the next chapter of this epic story. Mythology is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Brian Golub. With production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. 
This episode of Mythology was written by Greg Castro, with writing assistance by Robert Teamstra and Andrew Kelleher. Fact-checking by Bennett Logan, and research by Adriana Gomez. The amazing cast of voice actors includes Tom Bauer, Joe Hernandez, Kai Jordan, Alastair Murden, Rebecca Thomas, and Kim Lynn Tran. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Pirates. For centuries, the world has been fascinated by them. Blackbeard, Charles Vane, and Bonnie. Who were they really? Real Pirates is a new Spotify original from Parcast. Join us starting November 15th as we bring the true story of pirates to life.